on this second Sunday of March, Time Change Sunday. I'm always amazed how many people make it here by 8.15 on Time Change Sunday, and I know I'm going to greet some people in the hallway after this service who forgot to move their clocks ahead, and that's okay as well. We do have a second service. I want to say a few things before we dive into Joshua, and if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. We're going to spend just a little bit of time in Deuteronomy 34, which is the chapter right before the book of Joshua, um, and we're going to look at um, you know, the transition that took place from Moses to Joshua this morning. I want to publicly say thank you to Lincoln Christian University and their corral for the program last week. Did you appreciate the corral last week? They did a great job. And it's neat for me. I've uh, been connected with the school one way or another since 1987 when I went to school there, and it's great to, to see young students at Bible college preparing to let God use them one way or the other as they move forward. So remember to lift those students up in prayer and encourage them. We're going to have some students from our high school ministry that at this point are planning to enroll in Lincoln this fall, and you'll hear more about that in the months ahead, but we're really excited about those decisions that have been made. Also want to say a word about our intern, Shannon. Did she sneak off? Where's she at? Shannon, great job this morning. Did she do a good job leading? Wasn't nervous at all, just stepped right in and did an awesome, awesome job. Well, last week, uh, well, actually two weeks ago, the, the last Sunday in February, we spent our fourth and final week looking at the life of Moses. And just to remember, you know, we stopped at Exodus 14. There's a whole lot more to the Moses narrative from Exodus 14 to where we're going to be today. But in keeping with what our vision is for the first six months of this year, we're, we're spending each month looking at one, we're calling it Bible Hero. We're not telling the entire story, but we're trying to learn little snippets here and little snippets there. But I did want to connect the dots. Exodus 14, two weeks ago, we saw the Red Sea Miracle. We saw God's incredible deliverance of Moses and his people, the destruction of the Egyptian army. It is an incredible miracle. And at that point, Moses really had solidified himself in the eyes of the Israelites as the Lord's leader for his people. Well, a whole lot happened. Forty years of things happened from Exodus 14 to where we are today in Deuteronomy 34. But see that Moses was the undisputed leader of Israel during this time. And, you know, we live in a day and age where that concept of undisputed leader, uh, it's just not existent in America in 2012. I could do an experiment this morning. I'm not going to because it would make many of you mad. But I could just have a show of hands. How many of us are with President Barack Obama? And how many of us would really like, don't do it, don't clap, don't clap. How many of us are with candidate A from the Republicans or candidate B from the Republicans? And what would happen if I did that this morning? What would happen? You'd be upset, wouldn't you? Because there are some of you that, that love our president and, and want him to have another four years. And there's some of you that can't wait for someone to defeat him and take the office. And, and we would have a big dispute, a big debate break out. What you need to understand is that for much of these 40 years, even though there was quarreling, even though there was bickering, even though there was frustration as they kind of wander through the wilderness, Moses is the undisputed leader of Israel. And time and time and time again, it's Moses that the people lean on. Well, if I was writing the script, if I was trying to figure everything out, 
the way the story would begin today was God had Moses look out upon the promised land. God had them line up all the troops, probably a couple million at this point. And they begin to march into the promised land with Moses carrying the flag, Moses leading the way. But that's not what happened, is it? That's not what happened. Anybody know why Moses wasn't able to lead God's people into the, into the promised land? Do you know why? Anybody know? We find that in Numbers chapter 20. If you have your Bible and you want to, you can turn there real quickly. In Numbers chapter 20, the people were thirsty. And there was no water. And they cried out to the Lord and they cried out to Moses. And God, the Lord told Moses, hang in there, relax, I've got a plan. Here's the plan. Get your staff, go to the rock, speak to the rock, and the waters will what? What's going to happen? The waters are going to rush out. And the people are going to once again be reminded that the Lord has them covered. The Lord will take care of their every need. And that seems like a, a pretty awesome plan in many ways. Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? What did he do? He's so frustrated. He's so upset. We've been there as parents or grandparents. Our kids are driving us crazy. They've, they've been on every last nerve. And, and maybe, we, maybe we pound the counter. Or we're driving in the car and we, we pound the steering wheel. And afterwards, what do we think? We think, well, my wrist hurts. Why did I do that? That was stupid. Dude. My wrist hurts right now. Why did I do that? Well, I think Moses had one of those moments. He was frustrated and he pounded the rock once. And he pounded the rock twice, and guess what happened? Water gushed out. Israelites are, wow, this is great. This is awesome. This is incredible. But it's at that point that the Lord says to Moses, because you didn't trust me, because your temper got the best of you, because you didn't just speak, because you pounded the rock, you will not enter the promised land. I have to tell you, I don't think that's fair. If I had a vote, I would say, let's give the guy a second chance. All that he's been through for these decades with these whiny, crybaby people, and he loses it one time and pounds a rock, and now he can't go in the promised land? What's up with that? But that's part of the story. That's part of the narrative. There's a lesson in there for us. Trust the Lord, obey the Lord. Trust the Lord completely, obey the Lord completely. Well, Joshua is up next. We've seen this young man, Joshua, son of Nun. And by the time we get to Joshua chapter 1, he's really not young any longer. Many scholars believe that he might have been as old as 80 years of age when he actually led God's people into the promised land. But the decision has been made by the Lord. The decision has been affirmed by Moses. Joshua, son of Nun, is next. He's up next. Look at what verse 9 of Deuteronomy 34 has to say. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, filled with the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid hands on him, so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded Moses, had commanded Moses. So the Lord is saying, Joshua is next. Moses is saying, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to rest with my fathers. And Joshua is next up. We really live in a day and age of transitions, don't we? Any Illini sports fans with us today? What's happened in the last four months? Football coach has been fired. Women's basketball coach has been fired. Men's basketball coach has been fired. 
They're going to pay $7.1 million to those three individuals for the next three years to not coach. Maybe that should be a sermon in itself. What do you think? We live in the day and the age of transitions. And sometimes people love the transitions. I know some of you, you were beaming eye to eye when you heard Friday morning that Bruce Weber was gone. I know you were. I know you were. And sometimes transitions are, are much more difficult. Sometimes we grieve the transitions that take place. What I want you to see this morning is that Moses was a leader unlike any other. Listen to the legacy that's written about Moses at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 34 after his death. Here's, here's what verse 10, verses 10 through 12 read. It says, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Unlike any other. One of a kind. A leader among all leaders. That's Moses' legacy. And now it gets really good for God's people. The wandering in the wilderness is coming to an end. There's going to be 30 days of mourning, and they're finally going to get to go to the promised land. What's interesting about the people entering the promised land is that it's a whole new generation of Israelites. A, a weeding out has taken place from, from the slaves in Egypt. An entire generation has been weeded out, and now God is ready to do something absolutely incredible. He's going to deliver on a promise that was made way back in Genesis chapter 12, entering the promised land. Well, our text today, we're just going to look at nine verses from Joshua chapter 1. And from here, we're going to look at some of the, the key narratives in Joshua the next two weeks as they were beginning to, to take claim to this promised land. I, I will remind you as well, um, J- the book of Joshua is not G-rated. Uh, just to be honest with you, it's pretty gruesome at times. Uh, m- many people wrestle with war. Is war just? Is war fair? Uh, you might struggle with the book of Joshua, just to be honest with you. If you read all 24 chapters, it might be hard for you to read at times. But that's okay. There's truth for us to grab a hold of. So let's look at God's word together. Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. What an awesome promise. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Wow. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. You may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? I think he has. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, the key term, what's the key term in Joshua 1? said it three times. Be strong and courageous. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 9. Those words were first uttered in Deuteronomy 31. As Moses talked to Joshua, be strong and courageous. There's three, uh, three caveats that are tied to this command of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. He says, first of all, be strong and courageous because the promise of the land is about to be realized. Have you waited for something for a very long time? And you just kept waiting, and you just kept waiting, and you just kept waiting, and you didn't know if it was ever going to happen, and it finally happened, and you're just like, wow, this isn't a dream. This is reality. How many of you remember back, I think you all started talking about Bill, I'm not from the South, I don't know why I said you all. The church started talking about building a new sanctuary in 1993. Your first service was in here in November of 1997. How many of you remember that process from 1993 to 1997? That was a long time, that's four years. And my guess is for some of you, as you're in the, the, the smaller, former sanctuary, you're thinking, are we ever going to get there? Is it ever going to happen? Am I going to be able to spread out a little bit on Sunday morning so I'm not so crammed anymore? And as it got closer and it got closer and it got closer, the emotion began to increase. And it wasn't just a dream. And it wasn't just a, wow, we've got to raise a bunch of money. And it wasn't just, well, we might move some dirt this week. It was a reality. And in the middle of November 1997, you had a service in here. And the dream was realized. God's people have been, some of, some of God's people have been wandering their whole life. They were born into this life of wandering. And they've been told about the promised land. And been told about, we're not going to be sleeping in tents. Been told about this dream of going to a land flowing with milk and honey. And here the Lord saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous. The promise is about to be realized. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, write that down on your notes. Maybe if you're a quick flipper, flip back real quickly. God said to Abraham, unconditional covenant promise, Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to make you a nation, I'm going to make you a land, and I'm going to make you a blessing. It seemed comical at the time, didn't have any children at the time, seemed like a pipe dream in many ways. The promise of a nation has been realized. Part two of the promise is about to take place. You will have a land you can call your own. It's going to be an incredible land. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. But he doesn't just say the dream's about to be realized. He doesn't just say you're about to inherit the land. He says, be strong and courageous. I'm getting ready to answer my, my, my centuries-old promise to Abraham. And you, Joshua, you will be the leader. So be strong 
and courageous. There's a second aspect to, to, to this narrative. Be strong and courageous. Know the word and obey it. Know the word. Obey the word. Um, why? Why is that important? Well, through much of what we call the Pentateuch, through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, we read through that and, and people will tell me things like, boy, the book of Leviticus is boring. Boy, the book of Deuteronomy, it seems like I've heard that before. Well, you have. It's the second giving of the law. But as God's people get ready to enter into this incredible promised land, they've been told, this is how you are to live. This is what you are to do. This is what you are not to do. There's a whole lot of do's and a whole lot of don't do's. Is that a word, don't do's? Um, Do not do. And through it all, it's all tied to what we call the law. And right here, be strong and courageous. Know the word. Obey the word. The first challenge for Joshua is that God's people were to talk about the law. They were to talk about the law. They were not to let the word of law depart from their mouth. They were to spend a lot of time discussing the truth. See, when you come to church on Sunday morning and the sermon time takes place, or you go to to Sunday school, many of us go to Sunday school, or maybe you're in a linked small group, or maybe you come out, we're studying 2 Corinthians on Wednesday night for families at first, and, and you read God's word and you talk about God's word. I'll tell you, families at first, we've had some really good, I think some very good discussions on issues like sin and, and accountability for sin. We've talked about things like Judgment Day. I mean, it's, it's getting pretty heavy on Wednesday nights. We're following through with what God's passion for his people was right here in Joshua chapter 1. Talk about the word. They're also told to think about the word. It says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that was written in it. If you're not in God's word, you're missing an incredible part of the Christian faith. For, for too many people, the only time we're in God's word is when we're in God's church. We're in the sanctuary. We're in a beautiful building. And we go from 9.15 on Sunday to 8.15 the following Sunday. We have no time at all spent in God's word. And that's tragic. You're losing out if that's the case. That's why the Lord told Joshua to tell the people, meditate on the law, know it, memorize it, spend time thinking about it, consider the ramifications of the law. And then finally, part three, most importantly, they were to live their lives according to the word. Not just talk about it, not just think about it, but spend time putting God's word into practice. Don't just read that the Lord said, do not murder. Put that into practice. Don't just read that the Lord said, do not steal. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. There is a verse that um, has been one of the very first verses that I learned as a young person at First Christian Church in Champaign growing up. And and I think it's kind of a life verse in many ways. It's Psalm 119.11. You should memorize it. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word. It's right inside here. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Be strong and courageous. Know the word and obey the word. 
And then finally, the, the third part of this, the, this caveat of being strong and courageous, be strong and courageous because the Lord is with you and will never leave you. I, I, I absolutely love the promise that the Lord pours out to Joshua. It's the same promise that the Lord poured out to Moses. It, it's a promise that we see throughout uh, the Old Testament over and over and over and over again. You are not alone. I am with you. What was the lesson, would you say, of two weeks ago, the Red Sea miracle? What, what was the Lord really telling the people as they were looking back and they saw the Egyptian army coming and, and they thought that destruction was, was definitely going to take place? What did the Lord say? Don't, don't worry. I'm fighting for you. I'm rolling up my sleeves and fighting for you. And they're getting ready now to, to invade a land that, that is fortified. They're getting ready now to invade a, a, a country of very strong armies, a land of very, very strong armies. And my guess is there was a little bit of Joshua, if he's like us, if he's like me, where he's saying, I, I'm not sure this is the greatest plan. Can we maybe have like a natural disaster or something, a tornado or something, come in and wipe them all out, and then we can just kind of walk in? That might, that might work better. And the Lord says to Joshua, don't sweat the small stuff. I'm with you, and I'm not going anywhere. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. As I was preparing this week, I couldn't help when I was reading this part of the, uh, God's word in, in uh, Joshua 1.9. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never be away from you. I will be with you always. You know what I kept flashing back to in my mind? Jesus' final words to his disciples. He'd shared the Great Commission. We love the Great Commission. Go make disciples, baptize, teach. Great, great sermon in itself. But how does he end Matthew 28? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age i hope that's a promise that you're keeping close to your heart that if you're a christ follower the lord is with you that when you go through the, the highs of life when you go through the lows of life the valleys of life and we we all go there and what happens with the valleys most of the time we're not ready for them. most of the time we're not waiting for the doctor to say you got cancer we're not waiting for the boss to say you're out of a job we're not waiting for your children to disappoint you or your parents to, to drop a bombshell or wh whatever may happen. That's a promise we must keep close to the vest. Martin Luther, I, I love this quote, M Martin Luther said, one plus the Lord equals a majority. Th that's the message to Joshua. It's you and me, and we're going to be a pretty good team. So trust me, be strong and courageous. Well, what do we do with Joshua 1? What do we do with be strong and courageous? How's that translate to my life in 2012, to your life in 2012? I want to give you three takeaways this morning. And number one is this, surely you've grabbed it. There is power in God's word. So you need to read it, you need to know it, and you need to live it. Psalm 119, 105, Amy Grant made this famous, thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet, and a light into my path. And that's a cool song, and we love when it's sung, but even more than a cool song, it's an incredible truth that, that we should live our lives by. Good times, bad times. Struggles, uh, celebrations. Your word is a lamp into my feet. It's a light into my path. 
I think another incredible verse of Scripture, it's an underlined verse of Scripture. Many of you have memorized it. It's James 1.22. What's James say about the Word? Don't merely listen to the Word. What's he say? Do what it says. Don't just study it. Don't just have a good chit-chat about it. Put it into practice. There's power in God's Word, so read it, know it, live it. Secondly, Walk with the Lord in life. He's worthy of your trust. For the 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, the Israelites really struggled with with this truth, with this promise. So much of the time, they didn't trust, or their trust faded. They allowed the temporary circumstances that they were facing to really jade them to the point that they stopped trusting And they started crying out. They started complaining. They started doubting. There were times they wondered, would we be better off back in Egypt? I mean, that's just crazy to me. Crazy to me. But many Christ followers in 2012 faced the exact same struggle. And I think the truth is simple. Live the truth of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and what will the Lord do? He will make your path straight. And then finally, number three, don't forget part three of the promise of Genesis 12, the blessing. Genesis 12, I told you, and we've been all through Genesis uh, 12 one way or the other when we were looking at Joseph and then looking at Moses and now looking at Joshua. We keep coming back to this unconditional covenant promise God made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make you a land. I'm going to make you a blessing. Part one was fulfilled. Part two is about to be fulfilled in the book of Joshua. But don't lose sight of part three, the blessing ultimately fulfilled through Jesus Christ himself. Next week, we are going to look at one of my favorite miracles in in, in God's word. We're going to look at Jericho. Uh, There are many quote-unquote geniuses in our world today that that are saying, that can't happen, that never happened, it's not possible. And we're going to look at next week what God's word has to say about taking the fortified city of Jericho Uh, you will absolutely love studying Joshua chapter 6. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for the truth of your word. And as we leave here this morning, help me to never never forget that promise that you made to, to Joshua thousands of years ago to be strong and courageous. And while we're not getting ready to, uh, to inherit a land filled with incredible armies and fortified cities there's times that that our lives can seem like battle zones there's times that the obstacles that that we may face in our life seem similar to jericho seem similar to many of the narratives that we read and we study about And just like you promised that you would be with Joshua, you'd never leave him, you'd never forsake him, your blessing was upon him. We know that if Jesus is Lord of our life, you are with us always. He is with us always. Your Holy Spirit here to guide and to direct us. And so thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we studied today. 
and the truth we'll study in the weeks to come. But thank you most of all today for Jesus, your son. The hope he brings us. It's that hope that we live for. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Greg read a lot of scripture today. A lot of scripture he read from the Bible today. And I obviously know that that was on purpose just to, just to get us to understand how important God's word is. And so all of those scriptures that was read today, that were said today, that maybe you jotted one down that you thought, boy, this is really a scripture that I need to 